Welcome to the podcast, Low Code Talks with Creatio. I'm your host, Andy Zambito, Chief Sales Officer, Americas at Creatio. And today we have another very special guest, Devi Mohan, who will talk with us about banking 2025 and driving innovations in the banking industry. Devi's a passionate fintech speaker. She's experienced in both the traditional world of financial services as well as modern fintech. She's also the co-founder of Burnmark, which is a global fintech research company that supplies fintech trends and market insights, helping banks and enterprises around the world. She also spends her time analyzing and dissecting the fintech industry, working closely with many organizations as well as startups around the globe and bank investors as well to help them be more competitive in their space. So let's not lose another moment. I have the distinct honor to pass the microphone to Debbie. It's a pleasure to be here and introduce you to the world of uh, Banking 2025 and what I think is going to happen in the next few years based on the trends that we see. I think all of us have gone through some immense change in the last couple of years, uh, whether you're an individual or an organization. And it's quite interesting to me because when I work with banks, it's the same kind of question that, that I get asked in the last few months. In every meeting, the question is, what's going to happen next? Because we've all been hit by this black swan event and completely unexpected, surprising event in the last two years that have affected the way we work, the way we look at customer experience and the speed of um, the need for digitalization. So with all that um, that has happened, I'm hoping to give you an overview or at least my feedback on the trends that um, will drive the ecosystem of digital banking forward. One of the first things that I see in the world, um, whether it's banking or any of the sectors um, that we can look at is uneven innovation. Uneven innovation is when one side of the ecosystem is innovating so much faster than the others that it's actually quite uneven in terms of customer experience when we look at it. An example is traditional banking and fintech. They both play in the same sphere. Customers use Uber and Google and Airbnb, and they also go to the banking apps on their phone at the same time. So what the customers view is really uneven. The way we see B2C fintech, the consumer fintech, is quite different also from the way we see business-to-business fintech, so the, the, the backend of all of the banks and fintechs and all of the network and the infrastructure. This is especially true for global banks around the world, especially the large corporate banks. We're seeing a world of declining profits and dropping fees and channels being affected um, in terms of their revenues. And the way forward, I think it's quite clear to all of us in that we have to go digital. 86% of global banking executives do believe that digital is the way forward. However, how many of them are quite there yet? Only 43% out of, out of them have a proper digital strategy in place, and only 19% of them have an actual digital capability to rival the Ubers and Airbnbs and the fintechs of the world. So we always find that disparity in the banking ecosystem in that there is a desire to be more digital, to innovate faster, but the capabilities are not quite there. 
And added to that, we have a huge burden of compliance with so many new regulations coming up around the world. And especially in America, as you may be familiar with the amount of new regulations around privacy and security coming up in the last few years and, and almost on a state-by-state -state basis. You have the California Privacy Act to worry about to the federal laws, to the global laws. So it's actually quite complex. And the, the rate at which regulations are changing, um, that's quite uh, steep as well at the moment. And then you have the competition from the world of fintechs, both B2C and B2B. One of the trends that I've seen in the last couple of years is that the B2B fintechs, the ones that actually work on the back end or the, the middle office and the, the supporting the front office functions of a bank, those are the ones that are increasingly getting unicorn status. So we have the competition on one side and also um, the business to business fintechs growing in a huge number supporting technology innovation. And as you know, in the last year or so, our behavior has increasingly changed as well. Uh, there was a lot of panic and headlines around the world when WhatsApp went out of um, service yesterday uh, for six hours, at least in the UK. Um, but in general, the social media usage has gone up significantly in the last year, uh, especially with WhatsApp and Google um, and Instagram. Digital shopping, I don't have to say. I mean, um, Amazon has seen sales like never before. Uh, the supporting logistics, the postal service has uh, never seen revenues like they did last year. Um, so all of this is driving the changes that we are gonna see in the next five years. Now let's talk about banking transformation. Right? So transformation can happen um, across any sphere, but what do you, I think is gonna happen in the next few years? One of the biggest changes I'm seeing at the moment is the way in which payment systems and products are being adopted. Last year, 13 million people made their first ever online purchase in just one month uh, using a Visa card. So if you can look at the amount of PayPal who set a record last year for transactions, um, in terms of Visa and MasterCard and the major players and some of the um, organizations like Walmart having their own cards, prepaid cards, payroll cards issued by HR organizations, all of this together, there is very, very clearly a payments boom. And this is especially true in the US compared to the UK. The UK is traditionally more into debit cards than credit cards and less into PayPal, et cetera. But um, I think especially in the US and Latin America, there's very, very clearly a payments boom happening. Um, for example, biometric cards is an interesting phenomenon that has happened in the last year with a lot of these cards integrating features and technologies that never existed in the past. Geolocation is another um, feature that has been increasingly used last year. I worked on a project where we had to integrate geolocation into shopping behavior. So do you walk into a shop um, in that shopping mall or do you walk into a shop on, on a standalone shop uh, in the middle of the city? So, and what kind of purchases do you make when you go into that location versus this location? Geolocation, biometrics, uh, digital payments and AI-based credit scoring, tracking, all of that has been integrated so much into payments that I think there is definitely, definitely going to be an interesting boom in the next few years. The other thing, of course, in banking transformation, we always talk about lending. 
I think this is an interesting area from a bank point of view, especially because the SME lending has been traditionally such an undertapped area of banking. Um, we have corporate lending, which is quite strong. We have individual lending, which is reasonably strong and fintechs taking care of that market. But SME lending has traditionally been one of the weakest areas um, that have been catered to. Now in the last year, in, especially in the UK, we have um, dispersed an enormous amount of lend, uh, loans um, especially around NHS and saving businesses and um, you know supporting businesses that were going out of business, etc. Here in the UK and Europe, we also have a huge regulatory push around open banking and open APIs, which have made new players come in and use some of the data available with banks to help with lending products. So there's a lot of innovation that has happened around SME lending and also specific lending around freelancers or small businesses, um, which, is, which could be just an individual as well. So this is another area where I think the use of data is going to be very, very interesting. I don't probably need to tell you this, but credit scoring for loans and for insurance purposes has changed a lot in the last few years. And uh, one of the things that banks increasingly use is behavior data. So data from the way you use your phone, how many apps you have, what kind of battery levels do you keep on your phone? Um, you know, what kind of uh, bookmarks do you have stored? How is your social media data? We don't normally look at terms and conditions when we accept uh, downloading of apps, but all of this data is being captured to provide better lending uh, or more effective and efficient lending and credit scoring uh, products. So it is an area that is, again, using a lot more interesting data than ever before. The other area I think which has seen a lot of transformation in the last year is KYC. Um, almost every bank I've spoken to in the last few months have had some kind of an eKYC transformation because of COVID. So a lot of banks have launched um, dynamic selfie-based KYC for the first time. Um, a lot of banks have had to scrap uh, physical IDs or coming into branches for verification. Um, new KYC APIs had to be brought in to support this documentation or e-documentation and, and also using the data that was being uploaded. Uh, you have a dynamic selfie, great, but how do you use the information from the dynamic selfie to understand your behavior, your personality, and also for KYC purposes? So RecTech and KYC um, and, and associated activities like fraud and identity management and biometrics, um, that has seen a huge boom. And this is something I expect to continue to see as well. So banks are focusing on three main areas, I would say, in terms of the transformation. Of course, technology. I mean, uh, technology is such a broad term uh, now. I think we need to think about specific use cases that work for uh, each bank and all of us. And one of the things that um, uh, I always find is that um, the, the technology around um, each product line that we see, for example, payments, lending, insurance, mortgages, or digital wealth, all of that is great, but I see a shift in terms of the focus towards transforming with the customer journey in mind and not just a product line. So what happens today is the transformation happens, for example, from the point of view of an SME, not from the point of view of payments for an SME. So that shift 
is one of the biggest changes we have ever seen in banking in the last 100 years, where we're shifting away from products, talking about rates, selling individual products and bundles, but actually talking more about how is the customer going to benefit from it. And that is why the SME lending and freelancer lending and all of that is gaining traction is precisely because of that. Now, the second thing that Again, um, it's it's partly COVID, but I don't think it's fully COVID because this shift started quite a while ago and it's gaining momentum now, is the focus on environmental, social and governance. And this is, um, I think, a much needed awakening in the world in terms of ESG considerations and, and also looking at the way uh, companies run, are run and the kind of clients they serve and the kind of um, values they have. And that focus is quite interesting, especially to me personally, to see most banks now adopting that view. And I think that's gonna affect the way transformation works as well. And also the other thing that I see is using data in a better way, especially for low value transactions. Now, this is an area where fintechs do really, really well in terms of dealing with low value loans or smaller mortgage amounts or low value transactions and payments. But now banks are also trying to get into that space, targeting clients with those kind of um, low value transactions. And most banks have actually launched um, digital products in the last one year. So all of these three examples are from last year um, in that Lloyds Bank, they made a big push towards uh, getting more people signed up on online banking. I'll talk about the U.S. Um, later because slightly different in what happened in the U.S. in banking. But in the U.K., at least, we have seen a lot of adoption of the traditional banking apps, not just the challenger banking apps. And some people actually launched their own digital banking subsidiaries and uh, separate brands uh, to deal with that. I don't need to talk about challenger banks too much. Happy to talk more about them because, um, I mean, some people in the UK may be quite uh, interested in some of these banks and how they've done in the last couple of years. Uh, but one of the things we find is that people who run marketplaces actually did very, very well in the last year. For example, Starling Bank. Uh, but other than that, uh, we actually don't have a huge traction um, this year in terms of um, challenger banks doing well. Um, that's mainly because people are not traveling. They're not, they don't need to use apps necessarily and they don't need to um, use travel lounges or you know, offers given by uh, challenger banks. Uh, but in general, the downloads have gone down. Traditional bank apps, the downloads have gone up. And um, the people who are doing well are the marketplace uh, banks in the challenger banking world. Now, the US, as I said, is slightly different because in the US, unlike the UK, um, there is a huge wave of big techs, the Amazons, the Facebooks and the Googles um, and the Apples trying to get a pie of the banking experience. So in the UK, for example, it's always a conversation of traditional bank versus challenger bank or fintech. But in the US, the conversation is usually about traditional bank versus big tech. The kind of approach in the US I've seen banks take is slightly different. It was quite interesting to me that Google actually launched their own platform. It's a front-end experience that they launched in the US last year with six banks, but increasing in number. I think the plan is to get the smaller banks, the community banks into that platform so they have a good front end and a good sales experience, but the back end is taken care of by the bank itself. 
Now, I don't need to kind of say the way forward is, of course, going to be collaboration uh, because it's not a one-to-one game anymore. Like I said, big techs are involved, regulators are involved, uh, startups are increasingly collaborating with uh, fintechs. So in the next five years, I think the people who will survive, uh, the people who will do well are the people who will collaborate better. Um, And Marketplace is a great example. The reason why challenger banks with marketplaces did so well last year is precisely because of this. They're not going to market as one product. They're going to market as a bundle of products in partnership with a wide variety of companies. So any kind of partnership that we see in the market, especially between a bank and bank or um, bank and a fintech is going to be quite exciting. We see all kinds of partnerships happening now. And that partnership is not just for um, from a company point of view, a regulatory point of view. It's also from an individual use case basis. I mean, a lot of credit scoring for lending is now done by fintechs, not by the banks themselves. There are a lot of companies who launch products like um, Scotia Bank and Cabbage launched their own loan product. It's called a Cabbage Loan Product, but it's run by Scotia Bank. It's on their website. And the same with um, the backend operations like Treasury. A lot of that collaboration uh, that we don't see is actually um, done by fintechs. For example, reconciliating payments coming in with the invoice sent in earlier is done using AI and companies like KeyBank uh, and Everett. So a lot of those kind of partnerships that we don't necessarily see managing the cash flow and managing the the platform and the invoicing, the reconciliation, the boring stuff in the back end is also done by fintech. And I think B2B fintech is definitely the future. Um, At least the numbers that we see very clearly heading towards B2B rather than B2C in the fintech world. I think there are five types of partnerships that really, really work. Um, Again, this will change in the next few years as more kinds of collaboration exercises evolve. Um, The easiest thing that banks do is launch a separate brand or a separate subsidiary to deal with uh, the need of a set of customers or a target market. Um, Channel partnerships uh, where you work with channels run by fintechs, but everything else is done by the traditional bank. Technology partnership, you buy the technology from someone else instead of building it yourself. Uh, Then you have product partnerships where you build products together, like the Scotia Bank Cabbage example, and experience partnership where the front end experience is done by a fintech, but everything else by the bank. Now, these kind of partnerships work really well because banks are extremely good at the regulatory framework side, managing reporting and regulations and compliance. And fintechs are really good at the experience side. So those kind of partnerships really work well, at least in Europe and in the US, of course, with Mobin and Simple. Um, there are some really great examples of those kind of partnerships. What do you think will happen in the future? Um, I think every country in the world is heading towards um, a cashless society. I think that's the desire. It's not always practical and not advocating a fully cashless society, uh, mainly because we have to make sure we don't leave out any target market um, that requires cash access, like um, senior citizens in the UK um, who, or people not educated or not having access to smartphones. The other major thing I see in the future, as I mentioned before, is ESG. 
it's interesting to me that ESG funds are now outperforming traditional funds. So the moment they started outperforming, which has been a trajectory that has that was set 10 years ago, it's going to be kind of the future of investment and the kind of focus for banks transformation programs. SME, I mentioned that too, as a key driver of transformation, primarily because it's an untapped market and one of the fastest growing target markets in the world. There's a heavy wealth transfer coming the way, especially with COVID. We had a huge number of new robo-advisors, will-writing companies, life insurance companies come up. So it is partly behavior, but also partly generation, uh, you know, a large population now getting old. And that wealth transfer has to be managed through digital means, through digital channels and robo-advisors, um, supporting them along with the traditional channels. Big techs rising up to control finance, but not by taking a license. They're not going to turn into banks, but they will act like a bank, trying to support you in that consumer finance journey by offering you small loans or payment channels and also offering the front end. And AI to me is disappearing as a hype word now. I think AI is everywhere in every single bank in the world, either in the front end or the back end. Um, so the new hype is going to be quantum computing, which many, many banks are experimenting with. And the research in the last year has um, really grown by leaps and bounds. So I, I think this is what we're going to see based on the data and the trends we have looked at. And yes, I think the next few years definitely will be one of collaboration and where um, people work together to make some of the consumer challenges disappear. Thank you. Thank you so much, Devi, for sharing with us your thoughts and insights today about the future of banking. It was truly a pleasure to have you with us. And to get more information about our products and services, please visit our website, creatio.com. For further insight, check our digital event page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Talk soon.